Welcome to another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast, IB Sports Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, the head of the table, Chief Keith Fleming. With me as always, the ravishing one, Ron L. Tinsley and Sam, the shooter, a.k.a. I'm a Philadelphia man, How? What's going on? Not a heck of a whole lot. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the moms hey, out man, there. Hey, man, about Ron L. Thank you. I would have not said that. Absolutely yeah. happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Well, but, I just came from a Mother's Day shift, so, you know, I definitely haven't forgotten what today is. Let me give a shout-out to my mom, who... Miss hey, Howe. Mrs. Howe, Karen. Uh, May 11th, 1997... <laughs> My dad, uh, unfortunately, my, my dad's dad had had a massive heart attack, sadly. But my mom, we had tickets to In Your House, That's Cold Day in Hell. And my mom took me and a few of my friends to, to watch Cold Day in Hell. And she Last likes to minute, say, too, which is to me what's the most amazing part about it. Like, that's awesome. And, yeah, absolutely. The MVP bought me. I, that's where I got the original Austin 316 shirt. That is Whooped your ass. Smoking skull in the bag. Yeah, mm-hmm. my, my mom is the MVP. She joked. She was like, I never knew how long three hours could be. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's like me watching an episode of Downtown Abbey. I feel how Miss Howell is uh, feeling. Which she loves. That's a show that she right, loves. That's, so. I mean, that's, a, that's where we do it. Uh, but we do seriously want to wish Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Then real quickly before we get into talking about the last week of wrestling, just want to remind everyone, the IB Sports Podcast Network, it's available on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, share. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Just in the last uh, couple of weeks, we, we've got a ton of podcasts going. We finished up the Falcon and Winter Soldier. That was me and Joe Matz. RC has had some uh, great, great podcasts lately. He had a, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but I think it's Mark Schofield. Uh, they went over the quarterbacks in the college uh for the, the NFL draft that, that just recently happened. I don't and even E-Man, watch it though, and that was great. And then E-Man, who is a uh, very, uh, very good writer who does uh, a lot of comic book reviews and, and and movies and stuff. He's done a couple of different podcasts. Their, their last one they did, which I just listened to, was really good. It talked about uh, pretty much all the things that have been going on, both WandaVision, uh, Falcon, Winter Soldier, et cetera. Should they replace, uh, you know, uh, Black Panther? A lot of good stuff on that. So be sure to check that out. But, we're going to get into the Team Turnbuckle podcast, which is a wrestling one. And for those that have not listened before, we're going to go off the top, where we're going to talk about the big wrestling stories that are going on right now. And for those that know this podcast, it is potentially a sad day for my man Sam Howe as Daniel Bryan, nine days ago, potentially, definitely wrestled his last match in WWE under his current contract, potentially has wrestled his last match in WWE, period, Uh could be i mean the one thing i haven't seen is he may just be getting ready to retire i mean brian had the the injury you know scares he's got two kids now a beautiful wife i mean i don't think anybody would you know blink an eye if he wanted to spend time with his family uh i think eventually you're going to see him be a a producer or is that what they call him the people that backstage that help uh develop the match he's obviously he's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time but I do, before we get into that, just want to say, if that was Brian's last match, like how kind of fitting, ironic, you know, I'm not an English major, it would be that it was Roman Reigns who got that, you know, that win 
because Brian, not on purpose, obviously, but had a lot to do with the hate that Roman Reigns got. People do not, like, it's easy to forget how over Roman Reigns was when The Shield first came out. And, I mean, when he eliminated those 14 guys at the Rumble, they were going nuts. Remember the year Cena won? They were, everybody was fired up going, come on, Roman. And then just a year later, because of Daniel Bryan and the popularity and the movement of him, Reigns sort of became, you know, this Cena being pushed to the moon when he really had not. He had just kind of became the guy. And we all remember the iconic him and the rock getting booed, rock looking uh, kind of <laughs> Reigns in the camera going, what the hell did I walk into? Uh, so exactly. So it's just, it would be fitting that, you know, and Brian's always been so gracious with putting people over that Reigns would be the one that actually put him down. Uh, let's start with you, Sam, because I know you're as big of a Brian fan as anybody where, cause there's two ways I want to ask this. Let's, let's keep it simple. Where does Brian wrestle his next match? What promotion and is it possible that this was Brian's last match in WWE ever? Next promotion, I don't know. Uh, I would guess if, if, if I had to have a hot take, and I'm going to pull out a hot take here, I'd say Ring of Honor. Um, I would say that he goes and does a one last, you know, he wrestles Gresham. Are they on TV, Sam? Yes. Okay. Um <laughs> Because apparently there's some clause that you can't be an evil, you can't be a wrestling company unless you're owned by an evil billionaire. Uh, they are owned by Sinclair Broadcasting, who is like the hard right wing local news company, and they are syndicated. Uh, but yeah, I could see him going and wrestling Gresham or Roosh or, but that's really it. Ring of Honor is not deeply talented. Uh, but that's my hot take. As for is this his last match ever in WWE? No. No, I think he'll – I've said it for a while, but my perfect world is that he goes, does like a three-year world tour, uh, wrestles in AAA, uh, CMLL, Ring of Honor, AEW, New Japan, comes back to WWE at 43, wraps up, and is done as a full-time in-ring competitor at 45. He said he wants to wrestle until he's 70, though. Hmm. That's quite interesting. Not full time, but I mean, I could see him. What is he, Tom Brady? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Have you watched him in the ring? <laughs> <laughs> but I would honestly, I'm sorry, I didn't know if you were done, Sam. I would say that this is definitely not his last match in WWE. Um, I could totally see uh, Sammy. Where do you want to see him, Ron? Let's go that Where direction. Want to see him? Yeah. I'd be a fool not to say. Um, in JPW or AEW, because I think those those would be where we can get just more of what he's really phenomenal at, and that's just telling a great story in the ring. Like I don't watch much of NJPW, but you know the matches that I get either shared in the group or sent to me by friends. There's always some really amazing matches, you know, from guys like Tatsuya Naito. I know I may butcher a name or two, and you know guys like that. But um, I would, and God, who would not, we've talked about it before, we would love to see him, like, fighting a Hangman Page, a Kenny Omega, even a Chris Jericho. I mean, yes. like, I mean, come on. So, 
not going to be his last match in WWE, but um, AEW would be my first landing place just because that's where I'd be more vested in watching him. But I know NJPW would turn out some phenomenal matches. One more thing I want to touch, because we discussed this in the, in the book, which, by the way, Team Turnbuckle Group on Facebook, Team Turnbuckle Twitter page, uh, follow, join. Um, Jason Gilmartin, who is one of the uh, OG original members in the group, does great work, always is posting, just has a vast knowledge. But me and him were discussing, I really feel that Brian, and I think he kind of misunderstood what I was saying. I wasn't saying that it would become something that everybody would have the ability to do. But I think Brian may have the power and the cachet to potentially get like sort of his Brock type deal, right? Because we know Brock got this deal that nobody else did where he only had to wrestle once every three months. I could see them giving him freedom. And the reason I say that was it was shocking how before his contract ran out, he was going and doing all these interviews, you know, talking about all these matches he wanted to have with all these different guys, which that is normally not okay in WWE. Sam, could you see them possibly working a deal where they allow him to wrestle uh, and other companies, you know, as long as he maybe agrees to do, I don't know, one, two more WrestleMania matches or whatever it is. The only thing that I could see them doing is a similar New Japan AEW deal that Moxley has where he can't wrestle on a show that broadcasts in America. And even that, I don't really see. I think that one of the things, and, and I this gives me a chance to, to share one of my favorite stories about Daniel Bryan is that they have a test, a written test they give to every main eventer. Uh, and when he when he took it, the woman who gave it and scored it was like, you had the lowest score and ambition that I've ever seen. Not just for the WWE, right. but for this test. And he was like... And just well, to clarify, because you told me this story, I want to make sure people don't... It means that Daniel Bryan has no desire to be the man, to be the champion, to be, you know, the guy. Well, that was, but well, no, 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 no. It just means that like by, because they've given it to NFL players. It's that what, and what he said was, no, 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 no. By your standards, I'm not ambitious. By my standards, I'm incredibly ambitious. And I think that he's a dude who's wired differently. And I think that it needs to be remembered that, Nikki Bell, uh, Brie Bella has her own successful career outside of wrestling. So it's not like if money was something that mattered to him, he would have to necessarily be focused on making money, you know? And, and I think that he is more concerned. And I think that he is a guy who thinks about things like, hey, I've done everything I can do in the WWE. I want to go and now have these great matches just to have great matches. I will so say though, when you have two kids, which he does now, money changes. And, you know, Bill Simmons talked about that on his podcast the other day that when you have kids, you just, you, you're constantly thinking about them, providing them the greatest future. And that's why sure. I do think there's a chance that there's going to be a small window for him to go out and, you know, potentially go do something. But I, I think we were kind of on the right track that, this is going to ultimately end up in a WWE's legend contract that will probably allow him to, you know, work as a producer, work, you know, maybe an occasional match. But it's going to, you know, probably get him six, seven figures for the next, you know, 10, 15 years and more power to him. Uh, but either way, just very proud for him. There is no a no compete. There is no no compete clause. So he is free to go wherever he wants. Uh, and we'll transition right into it because it was outrageous. How Yeah, go ahead. 
I, I just want to say one last thing, which is uh, that, and again, I'm going to sound like a mark because I'm talking about the Bella's reality show, but on there, like, they basically, like, Nikki Bella was able to buy a house, or the Bella twins were able to buy houses in Napa Valley without, like, blinking an eye. Which is like that's money at a level where I think at that point you're not. Necessarily- I think you're underestimating Sam that money is money, and I, I'm just telling you like there's there's a reason people that are rich they want to get richer, and I know that's not his mentality. If he didn't have kids, I would agree with you, but I just I really do think it's different when you have children because it's like he could be, put him and Bree could put not only his kids in a position where they can do whatever they want. But their kids and their kids, you know, and have literally generational money, which is an opportunity not too many individuals at any job have the ability to do. And I'm just saying, I think that is something that, you know, to think about. But uh, AEW Blood and Guts was Wednesday. And again, I just I can't believe how many people were talking about will Daniel Bryan show up? And I know these are almost like trolls. Uh, is what I call these people on social media that say this kind of stuff, because it was just outrageous. There was there was no chance. And more than anything, I was just disappointed because it took away from what was, I thought, going to be a really exciting show. Uh, Instead of going over everything, there's two things I want to discuss. Obviously, we'll get into the main event, uh, the Blood and Guts match next. But the first was, you know, we now know that, I believe it's this Wednesday, we're going to have Orange Cassidy versus Pac for the number one contender. The winner will take on Omega at the next pay-per-view before we get into this, can somebody explain to me these rankings? Because this is where I get confused. So we know that Hangman Page lost last week. He had not lost in forever. He was the number one contender. Uh, and now all of a sudden, Orange Cassidy, who I don't remember being on this big singles win streak, is in the top two. And Pac, who was off TV for God knows how long during the COVID deal, he's also in the top two. How does that work? And it's like, if you're going to have it, doesn't it need to make sense? Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing that really kind of messed me up about all this. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy that it seems that Orange Cassidy has kind of hit the curve from everything that had happened post the uh, Jericho Mimosa match. (laughs) Ranking system, you're right, has absolutely, it's upside down because all of a sudden, you know, it's not a surprise that Britt Baker is number one in the women's side, but like Nyla Rose doesn't hardly lose. So she should always be like number one, two. And Baker made fun of it. Right. Remember she came out and said that, you know, this ranking, you know, I should be number one because of my personality, my ability to entertain. I changed the game, you know, but I guess I'll do whatever it takes to get to the number one in your rankings. And now she is, but I just had a lampshade on it, brother. (laughs) But I mean, in all seriousness, it's, it's kind of a hard, you know, sell. So let's not spend too much time on it. It's wrestling. It is what it is. The, the next thing that I hate to bring this up, and I know some people are going to probably be like, Keith, you just are not a huge Omega fan. And that's probably true. But I don't know if this title run is working. Uh, I really don't. Um, I know Sam has talked about how they've booked him extremely weak, which I think is, I agree with you. I think is a mistake. I understand he's a heel, but with him winning all these belts, I mean, you know, he never got a, any kind of even remotely clean win over Moxley. The The bigger issue was just the promo. And I think me and Sam talked about this off air. Omega just, and again, I apologize because I know people are going to get pissed about this, but he just does not 
have the cool factor. And to be a heel, particularly, you have to be cool. And like that promo on Wednesday was not good. It just was not. I don't even understand why they had Cassidy come out there unless there was some kind of mistake because – I don't know if you noticed, Cassie basically got no words in. Shivani spent the last three minutes of the interview trying to take the microphone. You could literally see him trying to get the microphone from Omega. The minute that he finally did, they, they you know, we'll go straight to commercial break because I think they went over. Uh, I just hope that they know what they're doing because this is a really big storyline that they're in the midst of. And absolutely, Omega can handle it in the ring. There is no doubt about that. But you got to remember, this is a promotion that is trying to grow, and it can't just be about in the ring now. I mean, if you're the champion and you're winning these belts and doing almost like this Thanos storyline, it needs to be more than about just in the ring, right? Am I? Am I just? Am I way out of? Uh, you left are field not here? crazy. Absolutely not. And Sam may disagree with me, but I had wanted to jump in because I am completely with you. Um, you had also mentioned uh, whether it was in the group or if it was in our our uh, our text chat. I also didn't like the fact that they had had those other world champions on his guy. Uh, that is, if the very least if he's collecting all of these titles and we're going to get some visibility to these other promotions you got a lackey hold them do is let the champion carry those belts well you either well and i'm going to split the difference here um because i am a huge kenny omega mark um if you want to know who of of active wrestlers besides I would say that I usually run in three. So if you were to ask besides Brian, it's probably Cesaro and Kenny. No, Omega. I was going to say Omega and Okada. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, and I'm, Omega's my wrestle on the slide, but just for this, because I'm going to, I'm going to sort of hang back here so that I have something to say in wrestling on the slide. <laughs> Omega to me, you either haven't carry all the belts or none of the belts because any belt, if he's not carrying. It's fair. It, you the, instantly you're going to get people on Twitter. You're going to get people saying, "Well, he's not carrying the AEW belt. That looks bad for AEW. He's not carrying the Impact belt. It looks bad for Impact. He's not carrying the AAA belt. It looks bad for AAA." At least come out with them, and then hand them off to like Don Callis and and your lackey. Like while I do this interview, hold these for me. And but yeah, I don't want to be disrespectful again because. I think he's a great wrestler. I just, I've I've only heard Omega do one or two promos that I would say are good, like really good. And and one of them I know was taped. It was the one where right after he initially turned heel, I think it was Shivani came to his house. Oh, that was a great promo. That might've been taped. That's, I mean, that's no big deal, but I'm just saying, you know, you have a little bit more freedom. You could do takes and stuff. It just, to me, he just, again, it's, it's the it like cool factor. And I just don't feel that with Omega and, to me, that's an issue. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, come to think about it, he, I was more excited with him with Hangman just because of their dynamic. The it history. wasn't what he was saying or necessarily doing out uh, by himself that made it stand out. I and and I'm a big believer in like Kenny Omega was not as good of a talker as he was a wrestler. But that's why you have somebody like Don Callis there. All you need, literally have Kenny Omega not say much. I mean, in fact, that works to the character's arrogance and have him just be like, I am Kenny Omega, I am inevitable. 
you know, the going back, I, I, I and I know Brock Lesnar doesn't have the experience in the ring or didn't have, you know, Kenny Omega obviously has way more experience, but Paul Heyman talked for Brock Lesnar because I don't know about you, but the first time I heard Brock Lesnar's voice, if that had been the guy who oh, was shocking in the beginning, you know, like, you know, like, oh, I'm Brock Lesnar. <laughs> hey, Paul. Like, he has this very Midwestern accent and, like, it works better in small doses. Don't you think it's sort of Omega sort of suffers from that too? Because to me, you know, Rollins has caught a lot of crap for his, which I, I think for Rollins as a heel, it kind of works because of the kind of heel that he is. But for Omega, again, it just, to me, it sounds kind of whiny, nerdy, like just not, uh, you know, what they're doing. And, and I think I said this to Ron L that the young bucks to their credit, to me, they come across as cool. You know what I'm saying? Like they're the kind of heels that like they have that swagger, Omega has it in the ring. It's when he's not in the ring that I don't feel it. And I just feel like the storyline needs it. Um, but the big story, obviously, was the blood and guts match. I still want my refund for the no guts. Uh, and actually, let's start there. What a much ado about nothing. I, I just don't understand uh, the internet wrestling community. In case you didn't see this, yes, the first hour of it, was shown on a monitor. We discussed this on the podcast the week before. There was a report out that they, we didn't know that it, the first half was going to be taped, but the entire show was going to be the blood and guts match. That was true. It just meant they were going to tape actually the first half and that would be up on the monitor. They announced that. They told everybody that. The tickets were reduced. And Sam, correct me if I'm wrong, they gave like everybody an opportunity, right, to get a refund. They did. I honestly don't. I mean, it. I'm a big, you know, I joked, caveat emptor, buyer beware. <laughs> if I were going to that match and tickets were $25 instead of 50, I would have been like, oh, okay. This like, is awesome. Don't get bitch about that at that point. If they had been full price, yes, it would have been a mistake. Or tried I, to hide it, right? Like, you know, not been transparent. Right. But I mean, if you, I mean, I really can't think of anything that tony khan could have done to be clear and more transparent and upfront that you are not going to get a typical dynamite show i really don't know what fans wanted i really i mean and and ron out was five correct only five people that actually asked i believe for the refund and of course it was all over everywhere like the whole audience was just livid and again that's where we're getting to the sometimes idw idwc can just be ridiculous we can be, and you know that's. No, one no, of no. you're not I, that kind of. There's no, no, a difference no, no, between no, that. Yeah, don't, no, no, don't I know. Don't loop yourself no. in that price. I'm only. Just, I only put myself in just because I'm a part of the that's internet. Fair. And yeah. But I, I'm. That's why I'm glad that you know I have you guys because we're in. Number one, I just it's won't. Not be that the way hideous, that it it, it's not homogenous the way that it was 20 years ago. I mean, there, there's, and I, I that's one thing that grinds my gears. Honestly, <laughs> is that like. It's not what it was in 96 where you had, you know, however many people were online, which is anyway, I, I'm not going to get into that. So but. the the other big story obviously was the apps actual match. And again, this is where I get frustrated as, as a fan with, and this is one of those deals where I'm not even sure who started this. If this is more like AEW fans, if this is more the AEW haters, but Let's first talk about the match was very good. I saw a graph that uh, a guy did on Twitter that showed the offense and control of the match. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's like a, a work of art the way 
basically you would see it start one would get the lead then one would get the advantage and i mean it was just it literally was just an inverse like perfectly perpendicular uh you know thing and, and the guys you know good lord some of the blood was a little much for me because i mean those guys i mean i think it was five or six of the guys out of the uh 10 ended up busted wide open but it was a great match so many good spots let's just get to the finish and then we'll kind of go from there uh and again i got excited about this mjf of course gets out you know being the weasley hill he does climbs the top we've seen that obviously in many promotions but he does Jericho, of course, goes after him. They have a nice little, you know, moment on top. And then, you know, I want to give Sam credit for, you know, giving me the call back to 97 because I had forgot about this. I love the fact that MJF, and again, they just book him as such a great heel that he, you know, basically blackmails the rest of the inner circle into you're either going to quit, which remember, that was the only way you could lose this match or we're going to chuck Chris Jericho off the top of this cage. So Sammy, I believe, was the first one to say, okay, we quit, which I think that they're getting ready to build a Sammy face. Uh, big turn here because he, you know, first of all, that they, they brought up the fact he hasn't been on TV much. Um, the fact that he was the one that actually, you know, made the ultimate baby face move that forget the match. I want to make sure that my mentor's okay. And then MJF just, an, again, just perfect MJF character gets what he wants, wins the match, and then throws him off anyway. And this is where we get into it. Yes, it was it was not the best looking fall because I mean, what are they going to do? Jericho's fifty years old, uh, and it 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 looked like we've seen those spots. They kept saying concrete, which is my issue. The only thing I will say to those people because I will give you that. It would have been so easy to just not show it and have the announcer go, oh, my God, like we, we can't even show this kind of, you know, violence. And I mean, it, it's too gruesome for a TNT, you know, for a cable audience. But for the people that are so upset about it, they feel like, you know, the match was was not great because of it and that the story will not, you know, resonate and, and all this. Guys, it's wrestling. We're talking about predetermined, you know, outcomes. We're talking about, think about the stuff that we have looked, believed. I mean, The Undertaker, for the last 30 years, just look at the shit The Undertaker's done. So for that to kind of take away from, in my opinion, what was a great match, a great story, and it's going to be great for moving forward, it's nitpicking. And I just don't want to, spend too much time on nitpicking something when the difference in what happened with the exploding barbed ma match and this is like night and day because that they touted they had a clock they were just you know what i'm saying they pounded that home and it was awful this i mean again there was a couple other ways they could do it but overall i thought it was executed very well well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because as I've been doing research on WCW, uh, it really reminded me of the sort of snake bitten nature of WCW, where I don't would not have had as much of a, a, a sort of bad taste in my mouth with the finish if we had not just had that exploding barbed wire thing. And that was where I was like, oh, you know, once is a mistake. Yeah. And I, I wondered with that finish, you know, that, that, 
again, great match. I love it. It, it really scratched the itch of the WCW NWA war games. I beef with it is like you chose to do that finish. I assumed they rehearsed it. Um, and this is not only AEW. I never need to see another stunt. Well, not, let, me, let me rephrase that. Give me a decade without seeing a big fall stunt that's done with a crash pad. I don't need to see Shane McMahon against The Undertaker going through it. I don't. Hardy's to- done it right. Like, I mean, there's been a lot of people that have done it. KO recently. KO, yep. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of them. And doing, God bless guys, I don't want people to actually get hurt. There was a lot of ways they could have done that finish. You know, the diamond ring to the head, you know, they could have sold that as the thing. I think that doing it that way, it just felt like, you know, either they didn't rehearse it and didn't realize how it looked. Like, there's just issues with it. I'm willing to be a little more forgiving because it's a newer promotion. But, yeah, the ending to me, I was like, oh, not, I mean, it was an unforced error, in my opinion. Ronald, these are production mistakes. And that's what some, something I was, you know, telling. This is like a T, literally from a TV standpoint, mistakes that they've made both in the barbed wire match and here. Absolutely. And, you know, I've also, you got to put some of that on the announcers. Um, with this match, all you would have had to have said was uh, the runway. If you would have just said the runway instead of a just that single word would have changed everything, and then we wouldn't have cared how it looked when he landed. Yeah, that but, building up the concrete was a mistake. So that's all they had to do, and it unfortunately took away from a really good match. You know, uh, for a war games match, it did exactly like you had said that graphic had needed to do you know i thought sammy g was fantastic in this you know minus the, that spot but can we really knock the man thanks a lot sean spears he was he was <laughs> he was in what 35 40 minutes at the, by that point yep. was uh busted open so but yeah um totally could have done a little bit better on the production value but have you guys I, rewatched the match since originally watching it I Unfortunately, this, no, I'm, I'm, my time is so limited. So the reason I asked this, and I told Sam, there was quite a few chair shots to the head, <laughs> uh, both throwing chairs. I know Wardlow got cracked one time just with a straight-up you know, chair shot to the head that it really didn't even look like he got his hands up. I will tell you, and I'm sorry that I'm this way, but it makes me very uncomfortable. When I think of Benoit, when I think of, you know, it just it makes me uncomfortable. So let me make you feel a little better on that. Uh, Unprotected chair shot, swinging it, not a fan. That We don't need that anymore. It's just not necessary, especially with what we know. The throwing the chair, I actually think, unless you get hit with the ends, the, the, which is what I've heard. I mean, that there's a story that Foley told about hitting X-Pac with a chair shot where he didn't get him flush but he hit him with one of the edges and actually like peeled the skin off. Like that's the really, that's not to pull a Michael Cole. It's the hardest part of the chair. <laughs> but if you're throwing a chair and the seat hits somebody in the head, I mean, I have a hard time imagining that you can get the kind of uh, inertia and inertia is not the right word. You can get the kind of momentum going where it's the same as hitting somebody, you know, full on, a, a, this is a bit audio, but the way that you would hit, whereas when you're throwing it, um, I just have a hard time believing that that is as damaging, and especially well, make Sam post a video with that audio <laughs> showing his 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 chair shot there later. Uh, 
uh, versus uh. <laughs> yeah I, I just have a hard time believing i could be wrong and i you know might ask some of the people that i know uh on uh twitter and see if there's somebody but let's can- let people get their hands up because i'm serious I, did you see the one i was talking about with wardlow it was like when he yeah. made that comeback late in the match i mean sammy just cracked him with it it, it made me like remind of the like rock you know mankind matches it is way true. back in the day Anytime Rock swung a chair, dude, dude was very good about making his stuff, you know, look safe. But Jesus, Ken Shamrock, I don't know if you've ever seen that where he cracked Shamrock in the face. Rock swung like a guy who was swinging for the fences. Let's keep this thing moving. One other thing I want to ask, is this Jericho being written off? Is that pretty much, you know, at this point... I mean, I find it hard to believe they're going to do that and not at least let him take some time off. I know that he had mentioned, I believe, in an interview that concerts are getting ready to, you know, get back. He might do a, a mini Fozzie tour. I'm laughing because I was like, Sid had softball season, Jericho has concert season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you, do you guys think that's what we're leading to? Honestly, I mean, Chris has done what he's needed to do in these first couple of years to um, give this promotion its uh, legitimacy. So why not? It's the best thing for MJF too, right? Like, I mean, nothing would, you know, he's already got two basically marquee wins against Jericho Uh, for him to kind of, you know, write him off for a while, maybe to potentially even have a third one when he comes back. And then just, again, the little things with MJF, him yelling thank you at the end of that, uh, you know, episodes that went off the air because a callback to the promo where, you know, Jericho, you know, said, you could thank me, you know, for all that I've done and, you know, this for the bit. And then for him to pull that back as he's thrown him off the cage, won the match. It's just MJF is, he's special, man. He really is. Uh, anything else on that match? We're getting to Spurs of the Week. No, let's get it. All right. Let's start with the face of the week. I'm going to do silly here. But I'm serious. SmackDown, we had the the retro, the the the, the callback SmackDown. It's got to be Teddy Long. He booked a damn ten man tag match. It 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 made me feel nice and, and warm and fuzzy inside. It was it was good to hear Teddy say playa, uh, have him back in that way too big oh, uh, suit. And, you're going uh, one on one with the Undertaker player. I I just I love it. Teddy holds a special place in my heart for you know all the times that he honestly put together tag matches throughout my uh, childhood. The I mean adulthood. Adulthood uh, too. Yeah, you're right. Uh, my face of the week. Uh, I, I I don't know why you would think I was a mark for the guy, but with Cesaro. <laughs> I thought I that, that are, he is getting the white meat baby face mm-hmm. push. Uh, you know, we've talked about, you mentioned Reigns getting put over by Daniel Bryan, but I think that Daniel Bryan as the sort of underappreciated memorial worker baby face to Cesaro, not the end of the world. I thought, and I don't think Cesaro will win at Backlash, but I'm interested. Yeah, uh, before I get into mine, I was thinking the same thing because I was like, I remember on the last show I had said Cesaro has, you know, plateaued in this part of the story. And I was wrong, uh, surprisingly. So, you know, kudos to him. My face of the week with a question mark is Jimmy (laughs) Uso. Returning to uh, SmackDown and, you know, He's not really ingratiating himself with the head of the table or with the family. 
And this is the only thing that actually makes this Cesaro and Roman match a little more interesting because there's that wrinkle that could Jimmy possibly with a hesitation or something like he showed this past Friday cost Roman the championship. I mean, we know that the answer is no, but this would be a big a mistake, right? For them to split them up. I mean, I mean, if that's what they're leading to, are we all in agreement that would be a huge mistake, even with what Jay has done? Because they would be rushing it, basically. Uh, I don't have a problem with them eventually doing it, but to do it this way would be, I just think, a colossal mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that this sort of the, the storyline that works better is Jimmy Uso coming back into the fold. I completely agree. And not to mention, I just want to see those three guys just dominate. Because, I mean, we've seen what Roman and Jay have done. You know, don't forget the Usos are amazing. Uh, and that's what I've been waiting for is to have, you know, the, the penitentiary tag team, you know, having the big dogs back. I mean, that's, that's to me, that's, that's SmackDown for the next six months. Uh, moving on to the Hill of the Week, was it unanimous or did we have different ones? Unanimous. I mean, MJF, we normally say Roman Reigns is the hill of the week. And by the way, Roman Reigns. Oh, no, that was. No, no, no. Roman Reigns is definitely the hill. Oh, so I'm sorry. So, no, mine was MJF. I mean, when you get to have a moment like he did where you end what was basically a pay-per-view on TNT covered in blood, uh, being, you know, responsible for your team winning after you said it was, you have already, you know, sort of drove a wedge in the inner circle, and he just keeps getting wins over these guys. I mean, it's, I, again, Roman Reigns, honorary forever, and I know you guys are talking about it, but MJF had a week, and I also just want to say that I love that those guys decided to wear white. Obviously, they knew they were going to be bleeding like stuck pigs, and it just stands out so much to see that, you know, white gear just covered in blood. Uh, it was a huge moment for MJF. The photos on social media after with the guys, everything about it, the, you know, getting the ring out. Just MJF is on another level for a guy that doesn't have the experience. He's not like Roman Reigns. He hasn't been around this long. He hasn't been doing this at the highest level and I mean, MJF, it, it's hard to, to say that. I mean, what was the last prospect, if you want to put it that way? I mean, this kid's like basically the LeBron James coming out of high school right now, where it's like this guy was everybody talking about him. Everybody's like, man, this guy's going to be really good. And he has just continued to live up to that expectations week after week after week. He's my hill of the week. And just, boy, it's going to be a big year for MJF. I, and I am in total agreement with you um, leading because I wasn't really sold on the whole pinnacle. But quite honestly, with him at the helm he and carrying his team and everything you said, absolutely. So I went with Roman because and some of this is because I had been watching the with the biography. I also watched a bunch of the WWE tribute videos, which like fucking A, they're so good at that. Like, I, I don't know if it's Kerwin Silphies, whoever it is, A+. plus. I always yep. wanted to. Man. But all of those videos included the 10-bell salute. And fucking Roman Reigns, which you do it when somebody dies, basically. And for Roman Reigns doing it with that little smirk on his face, I was just, it, it, it took me to the moment where I was like, I fucking love for Cesaro to win. And I was like, I, I turned into a mark. I did, 100%. And when you can get me to that point, 
you're like, and I know we should really should the same way that the technical wrestler and the observer awards is the Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson, you know, Memorial award. Like it's hard not to pick Roman, but I, I get why you guys limp it, but yeah. He, he I, deserves I, it. I mean, he, he's been on unbelievable run and it needs to be reminded because I think that's what happens sometimes is when a wrestler gets on the kind of run that Roman's been, you take it for granted. And I know it's silly and it's just a superlative that we're giving out week after week, but it really does show the fact that week after week after week, this guy is either without a doubt hill of the week or he is the other person you have to mention in that situation. Real quickly before we move on from this, it's so interesting too with Reigns that he's by all accounts a, a super nice guy, very caring, very family oriented. And it's always funny to me when a guy, you know, finds that niche. I don't think it's really his character, but it just, you know, again, bringing back what we've talked about a good bit recently it's believing and buying into the gimmick. You know what Jericho said on Stone Cold's podcast, Reigns is 110% invested into it, just like MJF. Yeah, no, um, that's, I had also wanted to add in, um, even in the backstage, um, when one, when he was talking with Jay and, you know, telling Jay to go after Jimmy, when Jimmy was telling him, you know, I ain't, I ain't yo bitch. Um, <laughs> But when he had left, you know, you had spoke about it just a couple of weeks ago, like just the little subtle nuances. When Roman sat down, just the exasperation on his face, I was just like, damn, man, you are really just hitting every single mark and you're not missing like you're dead shot right he's now. He's living the gimmick, right? It's not, it's, it's not even fair to say that he's, you know... Uh, you know, playing a part because I really do believe when that camera is on and you know what I mean? He is Roman Reigns. He, you just can feel that he believes that he's the top dog. I think well, that I, whole family thing really adds that perfect wrinkle to make it just flow from the inside. I'm sorry, Sam, go right ahead. Well, I was going to say also we're like, yes, he seems by all accounts to be a great person. I had spent the last five years getting booed Shit, by a bunch of chuckle dicks something that's not my choice you know it, it, and saying sucker and succotash and you know all this yeah shit. like I, i'm sorry that i was doing my job and you right. fucking assholes decided to boo me like yeah i would probably be pretty pissed off and resentful too so if he is i don't blame him and i kind of liked that you know what were we saying right and it's fans are fickle i mean it literally was the rumble before he got booed in the middle of the ring. I mean, he was as over as any guy on the roster. And it was more just bad timing uh, with other things going on around him that kind of had people, you know, turn on him. And then it becomes like what I said with Cena. It becomes a cool thing to do. And then a lot of people don't even know why they're booing. Uh, moving on to the wrestler on the rise. I can't believe I'm saying this, but. I'm going to go with Orange Cassidy. He, I think, is going to get a title shot against Omega because, again, if he's not, after the promo that we had this last week, what the hell were they doing? Because they basically let, you know, Cassidy come out, get talked up and down, his sunglasses stolen from Omega, and then he's not going to get the match because he didn't get to say a word. Uh, it looks like that's what it's leading to. And yes, never says a word, though. That's his thing. Well, he says something. He has gotten to where he says some things. I mean, he has gotten to where he talks a little bit. It's it's very little, but he says some stuff. And I mean, he he looked weak. He looked really weak in that promo. 
And I am very excited to see him versus Omega because, again, Omega is a great wrestler. Cassie, though, has really impressed me. Uh, his match versus Pac is probably still my favorite match that he's had. And I think you're going to get that kind of side of Cassidy where you're going to see him, you know, A, go against Pac again. Because remember that I think that was his best match. Maybe he gets the win back. He gets to fight Omega. And, you know, that's going to be in front of a live crowd, correct? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, a, a pretty normal live crowd, right? That's the first one they're trying, I believe. That will be a white hot match if you get, you know, Omega versus Cassidy. And I think that's very brilliant booking by AEW. Uh, Rhino, who you got? Well, that was one of the things before I give my uh, sure. Before I give mine is that's why I was talking about earlier is that you know that whole promo with Kenny Omega is kind of what made me think that he's kind of hit that turning point and they're going back up with him again. Um, mine are, are the ladies of the way. Congratulations to Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell for capturing the <laughs> women's NXT Tag Team Championship, draping not the just the girls, the right? <laughs> that son of a bitch Austin <laughs> but yeah really excited for them did you see that Rono he's like being po like on the first pictures and stuff he's holding the other tag title like I, I love the story that they're telling here uh, the unfortunate part is that I honestly think that this might be the time where um, Gargano actually loses the uh, North American I think it's time that they uh, pass it over to Bronson Reed the um i went with pack who i i think is i mean that like whatever i mean i know like that segment was garbage but if you want to do your first show with people in it like you put terrible house Megan down pack, who i thought had the batch of the year last year i thought that that uh, and for Omega to say that in the promo, did you get to finally hear the promo i mean omega basically said let's give the fans what they want the match of the year yeah, because I thought that their match last year in February was the match of the year. Uh, so, yeah, I, I that and I would be, I would be very excited if we got Pack versus Omega. Honestly, whoever wins in that one, we're gonna win in that championship match. And so I apologize. I assumed one of us, because you know we don't always share the answers to right before. I'm gonna add a, a bonus one because it should have been it. Dr. Britt Baker, we now know officially when she will be the women's champion, and it will be at that pay-per-view. This is a coronation. I'm excited. I can't wait. She has been just on another level, and this is not a knock against AEW, but all I can think is she continues to grow and get so great is, man, I can't wait till she gets into WWE and, and gets to mix it up with all those girls because she's already got the connection, obviously, with Adam Cole, uh, and – I mean, she just, I think she would fit in perfectly with, you know, Becky, Bailey, uh, Sasha, Charlotte, Oscar. I mean, good. Bianca, uh, EO. I mean, it's, it's just awesome. But congrats to Britt Baker, who's finally going to get her title shot. The wrestler on the slide, Samuel, who you got? I went with Kenny Omega. Um, I think that we were talking about this. I really don't like that he is the first non-WWE guy to be the champion and that he is, I don't mind him being a heel. I mind that he's achieving, you know, that the, the message that they are showing us, what we're being shown by AEW is that this guy is good enough to be 
um, Rich Swan. He's good enough to beat some guys. He's not good enough to beat John Moxley. And I don't need somebody to win clean. You know, we talked about the great finish to the uh, match with Lashley at WrestleMania. That's a perfect example. But the fact that he's not beaten, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm so over Moxley, um, that he's not beaten Moxley. You know, that he needed the Good Brothers to help him beat Moxley. It's just like you can put all these belts on him, but it doesn't matter if he's not a big deal. And what you're, you know, and I think that he having him as a chicken shit heel is not a good idea. Having him be that kind of AJ in 2017 heel who doesn't need to cheat, but like, why not hit somebody with a chair? It's fucking easier. Yeah. Um, my wrestlers on the slide, and I thought we couldn't slide these guys any further down. And, you know, understanding. Also, outside of, you know, what we talk about is, like, being on the slide doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, your losing streak means anything. Because as long as you're staying on TV, at least you've got something. But Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, now that they've broken up, like, now how are we going to be even interested when we get them back on television? So I'm really concerned for those guys. So they're my wrestlers on the slide. I I hate to do this because I almost put Carmelo or Car- excuse me, Carmella, not Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> Carmella that's my wrestler on the rise because she's amazing, but the poor Riot squad. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm gonna include them both, not just Ruby Riot, who lost this week again to, to Car- Carmella, but they they had a tag team title match. We, we we've brought this up so many times because I, I just get sick thinking about it. They never got it. <laughs> Uh, and they just continue to fall. And I, I am somebody that I, I don't know about Liv Morgan. I mean, she has a great look, but I don't know about her in the ring. I think Ruby Riot is a great performer, has a great look. It's unique. And, you know, they, they seen before she got injured, I guess that's been now like almost two years ago, that they had a lot of plans for her. I mean, she had some title matches. I think she took on Becky, right, for a, a title match at a pay-per-view. And it's just a shame yeah, to she see had a the way she's, you know, sort of being forgotten. And so are they. And again, uh, with these tag team divisions, we actually have a decent tag team, like the riot squad, like let them be a tag team. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's my wrestler on the slide. The promo of the week. This is the one that I think we all agreed on. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I, Sam brought it up earlier. I mean, Heyman, the Usos and rain, the 10 bell salute. Go ahead, Sam. It's just such a fucking, like, it's literally, What's done for people who died, and I, the idea, of course, is that they killed Daniel Bryan's career, and it's such a dick move. And Roman just smirking through it as like the most dick, you know, like all you want. It's going to be so great when he loses the title, and there, oh yeah, there's going to be somebody for whom that's going to make them. Well, that's what I was gonna say. It is going to be great, but it's going to take some execution because you can't just pick anybody. It's got to be a good story and it's got to be the right guy. And no offense, there is, you know, some cause for concern with WWE in this in this sense. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> like we've all been watching the WWE for the right. last 15 so, years, 20 yeah. years. Uh, but no, I completely agree with you. I mean, it, it, they are on the point where it's a star making moment and this is another reason why I think if Brian, even if he say just takes a few years off before he wrestles in a WWE ring again, it's not to the, obviously the same extent, but 
I could see this being a lot like with Brock and what Heyman did with The Undertaker and the streak. I think you're going to hear this a lot moving forward that I ended Daniel Bryan's, you know, career. I stacked Daniel Bryan and Edge at WrestleMania on top of each other for the one, two, three. This is going to be one of those deals that we're going to hear it over and over. This could be the new 21 and one. Well, that's the, the funny thing is that the original plan for SummerSlam 2014 was that Brian was going to be the one who took the 8,000, you know, who got squashed. Right. I have a feeling the response would have been just a bit different. <laughs> I, I would say so. Rano? Uh, yeah, I mean, he just really, like, like we, we keep saying, he's just hitting all the levels. I just can't believe how everything, and he's just carrying SmackDown for the most part. So Not that, that the other competitors aren't. Sorry, Ron. So we normally do what show won the week. I think it's not fair with AEW basically doing a pay-per-view. So instead, I want a grade. Ron, what, what, what grade did you give Blood and Guts? Blood and Guts, I mean, I gave that a solid B. Um, I was all right with the taped performances. Um, the, there were good matches on there. I mean, it, we can't expect Road Warriors and Dusty versus the Four Horsemen every time we get a War Games-like thing. So... But with the way they delivered, you know, with MJF carrying carrying the pinnacle, I got to give that a solid B plus, maybe A minus. Samuel, I'm going A minus, and actually, I don't think MJF carried the pinnacle. I think FTR did. I thought that they, and I I thought that other than the ending, I thought that I and I'm gonna fantasy book here because fuck it, it's our show. <laughs> I would have had some sort of ending where involving a spike where you know the, the something the where mjf was going to threaten the stat you something like that instead of a big fall because that to me is easier to do and a bigger throwback to what they were doing well we, you say that but we saw what happened with ray mysterio just a year ago so <laughs> <laughs> actually put his eye out he, you know like there's so many yeah that would be my the only difference but yeah i thought that it was i i, I thought that it was a great throwback to the old style you know, and I thought that it did exactly what nostalgia, what this kind of nostalgia should do, which is to put a modern twist on a. Oh, not just put a set of the old SmackDown and say nostalgia. Uh, I'm also with you. I'm giving it an A minus. The only reason it doesn't get an A plus is because there was no guts. A lot of blood, no guts. I mean, if you're going to, you know, tout blood and guts, I want to see guts. Uh, in all seriousness, I love AEW, and I know sometimes I catch some grief sometimes from people that listen to the podcast or the comments I make. I'm not a mark for them. Like, that's the difference. Like, I'm going to call out stuff that I don't like, but I love and I'm so appreciative of what they're doing and what the show Wednesday night is a prime example of that because they're giving you pay-per-views consistently on Wednesday nights for free, and that's amazing. And that, that's what's going to really push WWE. I mean, that really is. It feels like it's like a Saturday night's main event on Wednesday. They also make sure they make them important and mm -hmm. different than your, than your dynamite. And I, I think that Tony Khan has even made the point that they're going to mix up the matches. You're not going to see, which is, I think all of our, you know, there's a lot of complaints we have about WWE, but one of the biggest ones is, you'll see for it feels like six straight weeks, the same two guys or same four guys in different combinations have matches. 
And they really have done a good job of really mixing up the matches, keeping them fresh. They have. I, I mean, the the issue that I have with AEW is, first of all, I'm a little less generous than you guys are with those pay-per-views. Like, because the whole point of it is they're a company that is coming up and coming. So they don't have to pay the cost of the pay-per-views. And they can use their two hours to say, hey, this is what it looks like occasionally. You know, this is a pay-per-view quality show. Watch our pay-per-views. The other thing that I would say is that AEW hasn't done a great job of is that outside, uh, and it's not just AEW, WWE, is that Roman Reigns feels like a special person. He feels like a superstar. No uh, no one in North America, because actually I think that Naito and Okada and Tanahashi, those guys, New Japan has done a great job with that. Um, but so many of the people in AEW just feel like interchangeable. There, there's not a rarefied air in AEW the way that there is in New Japan or where Roman occupies, where you have this guy who's so clearly ahead of everyone else. Ron, what would you get to plug before we get out of here? Uh, I actually got something new. Um, I love oh. the new e-commerce store. Um, go check me out oh, at yeah. GoShopWithRonnell.com. Uh, figured I getting a little bit better uh, on my body, so I figured I'd share the wealth. I uh, <laughs> launched some health and wellness products, uh, which I have been taking, and I've been feeling fantastic. So go check it out. GoShopWithRonnell.com. Uh, I'm just going to plug the Team Turnbuckle group. I'm going to plug the uh, Facebook page, uh, the Patreon, uh, to which is the All-Star. It's $5 a month. Join the Team Turnbuckle group. As I said, I really do appreciate the people who post there. They're doing a best worker tournament. Uh, one of the Sam's uh, childhood favorite wrestler, Bret Hart, against Sam's adult favorite wrestler, uh, Brian. Brian in the first round, which I feel like is a, a shot. At Winner me. taking on HBK. It's going to be rough. It, it is. I mean, HBK is, to me is the winner. HBK is the best worker of all time. And I'm sure that there are Flair fans who will complain about that. But I completely <laughs> disagree with that. Uh, the uh, But anyway, I, I, again, just want to plug the IB Sports Podcast Network, Spotify, Anchor, uh, iTunes. Please rate review subscribe share we greatly appreciate that uh me and alan are actually going to be back together this week we're going to do an nba playoff preview uh i know he's going to want to talk some horse racing uh he's he's losing his mind about the uh horse that won the kentucky derby it looks like being disqualified uh so that's going to be interesting in itself to listen to uh and then just a bunch of other cool stuff coming up so but for the head of the table, Chief Keith Fleming, and my amazing tag team partners, the ravishing one, Ron L. Tinsley, Sam the Shooter Howe, this has been a Team Turnbuckle podcast episode on the IB Sports Podcast Network. We will see you guys soon.